Matt Goodfellow is a former primary teacher and he continues to be a popular visitor to schools where he runs writing workshops. Matt's debut collection, Carry Me Away, was self-published when he was still working full-time in school. Chicken on the Road, published by Otterbury Books, was praised for its rhythm, rhyme and wordplay and the insight into everyday life which gave it widespread appeal. His latest collection, Bright Bursts of Colour, published by Bloomsbury, is wide-ranging in its emotional tone, from the poignant and sad to the tension-releasing moments of joy and pure silliness. These are indeed bright bursts of colour. Matt is an ambassador for National Poetry Day. In the reading corner this morning, I'm delighted to welcome Matt Goodfellow. Hello, thanks very much. It's nice to be here. Lots of things that I want to explore with you about this brilliant uh, new collection. And I really do think it's one of the best collections of children's poetry that I've seen uh, for a while. It has great depth to it, as well as being entertaining. It has, well, it has that full emotional range. And one of the things that I would really love to explore with you, it, it occurred to me as I was reading the poems, how many of them have both the adult and the child existing simultaneously inside one poem. And there were a number of these. Uh, Missing Lessons was one, 10, Happy, Cheers. I could feel the adult Matt and the child Matt in all of those poems. Is that something that you're aware of when you're writing? Yeah, I, I think so. I I, I used to be a teacher, as you know, and I, I so I a lot of what I write is from what I saw then. But I do I write a lot about my childhood. I think as well. I had quite a difficult childhood. Uh, I was split between two houses, and I didn't I didn't like being at either house. Um, and there was always a sense of shifting sands within me, wanting to be somewhere else, wanting to be somebody else. And yeah, a lot of what I write does carry that within me. So sometimes it's things I've seen, and, and sometimes it is me. So quite a lot of those poems you refer to, there are. There are autobiographical elements to them. Um, and it just interests me, the dynamic of sadness, happiness carried through life. So, yeah, um, I think I think you, uh, you're you right, yeah. I think that's why there seems to me to be so much emotional authenticity in the poems. You write about sadness, but it also felt that you were not writing out of bitterness. So I think one of the poems where you reflect on this split household is called split i wonder if you would read that poem to us yeah i can read that for you and th this is this is one of the ones which is um semi-autobiographical all of the elements in there aren't me but but i think this is pretty much me so i'll read you this one yeah so it's called split i stay at mum's for half the week the other half at dad's both of them remarried to people not that bad i've got a baby sister she looks like me they say when i'm at my dad's i miss her she changes every day. Mum picks me up from Dad's house, but never rings the bell. It makes her sad to see him. She won't say, but I can tell. Rules are really different. To be honest, it's a pain. I can tell you've been at his house. Dad says just the same. I've got some mates to chill with, but I'm only here part-time. They've got mates they're tighter with, and I don't mind. It's fine. The steps don't do that much with me, but say they want me there. Still, I always get the feeling they're glad I'm out there hair. I don't detest this life of mine, but wish I could have had a chance to see what things were like, just me and mum and dad. They did the best they could, I suppose. The rest is out their hands. I've tried to talk about it, 
but no one understands. They see a clever, cocky kid, expensive bike and phone, two happy loving houses, when all I want's a home. I hope that was all right for you, Matt, <laughs> asking you to, you know, we start an interview and I get into the kind of deep emotional stuff right at the beginning. That's, um, that's fine. That, that's the, the benefit, I think, often children's poetry in particular, because because I do write, you know, I've written funny poems and stuff like that at, at, at times. I think people can overlook certain kinds of things. And, and, you know, for me, poetry is about life and relationship and about being able to explore what's going on with the world. And for me, my mum and dad were split up when I was a kid. I, I wasn't happy about the situation. I didn't like it. My my dad wouldn't come and knock on my mum's door because they hated each other, really. And um, me and my sister, um, we, we carry as adults. I'm a 40-year-old man and I, I carry with me those emotions and I see that within other kids children that I taught in my classrooms and and it, I, I can explore those feelings that I had and see other people having and still have to a degree I can explore that in poetry you know um that, that's that's what interests me about it I, I I like writing silly throwaway stuff that interests me but I, I think the whole thing of bright bursts of colour is life is complicated and difficult hopefully punctuated with bright bursts of colour silly poems about you know badges and squirrels but <laughs> For me, there is texture there and split, certainly. Yeah, that, that's kind of that's kind of my early life in a poem. I, I think it's connected, really, in a way, is you do uh, very well that thing that uh, poets teach us to do, which is to really experience the emotion, the intensity of an emotion that can exist within a fleeting moment. Um, there are a couple of poems. There's one called Happy, which is mm. really just a capturing a tiny moment and yet it expresses so much. I wonder if we could hear that poem, is that yeah. okay? Yeah, that's fine, yeah. This comes from a couple of things, really. I live on a road where, looking out my window, it's the main walkway for kids going to the high school that I went to, which my son now goes to, he's in year 10. And often I, he doesn't like me looking at him out the window as he's going to school, but... I, I watch these kids walking at school and it reminds me of walking at school down this road. And it gives you snapshots of little images and, you know, it, it, it intertwined with my memories. I watch other kids walking at school. So this is where that came from. So happy. This morning, I just wondered, will it always be like this? Footsteps, black and frozen grass, school bags at our hips. Biker boys come charging past. Oh, the girls a kiss. Morning, I just wondered, will it always be like this? I love that description of the footsteps blackening the grass. And yeah. it made me suddenly think, gosh, that is what happens. You know, when you melt the ice, you leave these black footprints. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah thank you. And I, I, I used to live next door when I was at my dad's house when I was a kid. <clears throat> excuse me, I used to walk to primary school across a field. The first thing you walked on was a park. And I used to walk on my own. And um, those those sorts of images come into quite a few of the poems that I've written. That from, from my memories, I didn't realise they would find their way into poems, you know, 30 years later. But they're just those little snapshot things, yeah, the nice little things to put in. Mm-hmm. And Grandpa's Shoes does that too, uh, where yeah. you just see an object. And again, the emotion that is generated from something that you might remember um, from yeah. someone that meant a lot to you. Yeah, absolutely. And those things that we see in life and everybody has grandparents, everybody loses grandparents. So little, little touchstones of emotion and feeling. Mm. 
One of the other things that uh, came across to me, and I think maybe it is partly your uh, teaching background, but you are very good at inviting children to think about people below the surface, what they mm. actually don't see. Uh, the number of poems that came up here for me included things like Chameleon Kids, Love That Poem, Fledgling, Difficult, uh, Stressed. Uh, Chameleon Kids, I really love that poem. I wonder if you would mind reading that one, just for me. <laughs> yeah, of course I will, yeah. Chameleon Kids is a great poem. Again, this is one of the poems which is a combination of lots of different things. There's a bit of me in there and there's a lot of, as, as a teacher, you often get children in your class that, are sort of not the loud ones, not the quiet ones that are just there. And, you know, you notice them and you notice them on the playground. It, it really interests me. Um, yeah, so chameleon kids. Chameleon kids are elusive. Their skill is to rarely be found. Drifting through days undetected, blending with those they're around. Chameleon kids are careful. Their secrets are never revealed. Camouflage acting as armour means feelings are safely concealed. Some of them yearn to burn brightly, but predators lurk everywhere. So they learn to disguise any fire in their eyes until not even they know it's there. That last line, oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, it, it, it's, um, I spent most of my primary school teaching career in year six, which is obviously an important year. Kids are on the cut for moving to high school. And I taught in an area of East Manchester, which is high in urban deprivation. Um, it was a streetwise tough school and there was, there was kids that, you know, you would just see in your class and it would interest me what would become of them, where they would be. And yeah, right for uh, right for poetry, really, especially with my my childhood, my background, it kind of all intertwines, you know. I have to say that for similar reasons, I really love the poem Fledgling, which shows how tender uh, children can be, even though you might just see them out kicking a ball, shouting goal the next minute they're interested in a tiny bird, and uh, I thought it was a beautiful poem. Yeah, thank you. That that was one of the ones that that, that actually happened. That that was literally just a poem. I was on playground duty, and the playground where I worked <clears throat> was kind of in the middle of great big main roads. So there was constant rumble of traffic, but there were some uh, five or six sycamore trees, and there was football pitches at the top, concrete football pitches. And one day the kids uh, were playing and suddenly this little bird appeared and, and they were fascinated. The kids were fascinated by it. But then just as quickly, that, that moment had gone and they were back to playing football. So that's that's one of those that I just lifted, lifted straight from real life and put down. While we're talking about children in school, I also noticed a couple of poems that seem to be about transitional children, lost lost friends, if you like. They were here one minute and then they were gone. Liam and David, are they friends from your childhood or are they children that you've observed in school? It's a good question. And I think you're right. That, that is one of the, I think the, the, the key themes within the book is transience, is moving on. Um, David was, there was a lad at my primary school. Now I, I, I did move around schools. I went to, because my mum and dad moved houses and as they split up at different times, I, um, I went to an infant school. Then I moved to a different junior school. And then just as as we were moving on to high school, I went to a high school that none of my mates went to. So the, the, this idea of starting a new, somebody being there and transplanted elsewhere does interest me. And again, when I was a teacher, you would get kids that would come into school for a couple of weeks, a, a week, five, you know, seven or eight days and would disappear. So 
both Liam and David are kind of a combination of, of both of those both of those elements. Um, so they're not based on one person. Although there was a kid at my primary school that could draw planes really well, and he went off somewhere to live in Kent. I think he went. So that's that's where the basis of that poem started. But they're about the same sort of thing: movement shifted on loss, I suppose, mm-hmm. and relationships. Just because that was those losses of relationships, finding new ones. That was my life as a kid, you know. We're going to get into happiest stuff in a moment, but <laughs> <laughs> it's in in the poem Liam actually that the words for the title of the book come: bright bursts of colour. Yeah. Um, how did you settle on that as a title? The title came from I think that came from the team at Bloomsbury. I originally wanted the collection to be called "I Will Sing," which is um, the title of one of the poems in there, because I wanted it to be. I knew that there were poems in there that carried with them difficult themes. And um, I'd, ju- I'd written a collection, Chicken on the Roof, which although it did have some deeper themes in it, was was uh, not more superficial than this one, but it was aimed at sort of year three and year four. So I, I think the Bloomsbury team wanted it to have a sort of brighter themed title, which I, un- which I understood. But yeah, originally I wanted it to be called I Will Sing. They suggested Bright Bursts of Colour which I actually really liked it. Um, so, we, yeah, so we agreed on it like that. And I think it sits really nicely within that poem and does elevate things to say, you know, I think hope is always important. And I think the bright bursts of colour gives us that hope in in, in, in times when it's, it's quite a, tr- a difficult collection at times. Mm. Uh, one of the things that really resonated with me, um, me as a young person, and I think me as an adult too, I got a sense of a yearning for freedom in your book. A couple of poems uh, leapt out at me. One was Trapped, um, Ride, and then also a couple of poems set in school, Still Allowed, and I Will Sing, which you just said as <laughs> could have been the other uh, title for the book. Did you have that kind of yearning for freedom? And is it something that is still really important to you? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. Uh, we've we've talked about my childhood and stuff, and my bike played an important role in my childhood because it gave me a freedom to go off and not be not be at home. So that's been important to me. I listened. I listened when I was a kid. I listened a lot to Bob Dylan. Um, my, my dad is a massive Bob Dylan fan, and um, a lot of Dylan songs were about moving forwards, never never sitting still. And I think that carries that with it. Yeah, but um, Definitely, always, always trying to move forward, trying to find, trying to find some, always looking for something, but never being quite sure what. Could we have the poem right? Yeah, I'll tell you, it's yeah. page seventy. <laughs> page seventy, yeah. So this is right. I like my bike. The whirring blur of churning cogs turns worlds beneath my feet into something separate from me that I can't feel or see. I like my bike I am free that sense of freedom on a bike is amazing yeah absolutely it's before you can drive a car I mean I felt something similar when I first passed my driving test like whoa I can go I can go anywhere certainly for me as a kid I mean my son's 15 and his him and his mates they spend most of their time talking to each other in the bedrooms on the xboxes but for me and my mates and my my mates we were a bit of a ragtag bobtail group of kids that all had interesting backgrounds our bikes meant we could go anywhere we wanted we could, you know and, and that, that that freedom that idea of freedom uh physically um you know in your head very important very inter- you know and very interesting to explore and uh, again a lot lots of the children that were in my classrooms 
yearning for something. We're looking for our freedom. Freedom is, is an important theme. And it seemed to me like reading and singing could offer something um, along those lines as well. I love those two poems, uh, Still Aloud, which is about reading aloud uh, yeah. at the end of the day. And I think you, I think freedom is actually mentioned in that poem. And I loved I Will Sing. Again, both of them. Uh, there was a teacher that taught at the school that I worked at called Joan Cullen, who was very important to me and my wife. She was an old, much older teacher. She died a few years ago of cancer. But she used to do the singing assemblies at our school. She's referenced in a couple of the poems. And but, but song, music, the ability to to find a free music has always been very important to me. It almost as like a I use music as a healing process, almost really. Mm. Now it has to be said, there's a lot of playfulness in this collection as well, which it punctuates. Um, I, I was thinking about the way that the collection was arranged, and maybe we can talk about that in a moment. But it's true that there's a lot of a playfulness in there and I felt probably that some of the poems started from an idea of playing with the words like poetry in motion for instance or the clouded house or the two pair poems <laughs> do you play around with words I, I suspect you do <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and, and really I think what it is is I think the whole collection is basically me so I can be very very silly Anybody that will know, yeah, I irritate a lot of people because I can I can be very loud or I can be very introspective. I can, and so I like having fun I, and, and I, I like being silly and I like being daft. I, I've always enjoyed words. And so, yeah, poetry, um, poetry in motion, that idea was in my head, what rhymes with poetry in lotion, dangerous. Yeah, and, and you, you, you chip away at an idea and it's totally different than writing a poem about sadness or a poem about life. But again, because life is different, it, you know, peaks and troughs all the way. I, I, yeah, I, I punctuate, that's, that's me. Well, I think we have to go to the silliest poem of all. I don't know which one you would choose, but I'm going to pick a special badger. I always tell the story about this, that when, I, when I'm talking to kids about writing poetry, I always say poetry allows you to write for yourself. So if it's telling your truth, write about your truth, about your life in your voice. If you're writing something that you think is funny, you won't, it only needs to make you laugh. So when I wrote A Special Badger, I thought it was brilliant, I'll be honest, I thought I was a genius. And I read it to my wife and she was like, what's, what's that all about? <laughs> but it made me laugh, so I put it in. Okay, A Special Badger. I'm a special kind of badger in a special badger den, writing special badger poems with a special badger pen, learning special badger lessons in a special badger school, learning special badger kudos from a special badger coup, wearing special badger badges saying badges are the best, passing special badger interviews, a special badger test, <laughs> drinking special badger coffee from a special badger mug, but my special badger problem, I am actually a slug. <laughs> Just... I bet kids love that when you read it out in school, don't they? Yeah, they, they, they do. I mean, it, it, sometimes they don't get the joke because it, it, it's one that, some some kids do. Some kids it takes a bit of thinking about. But I, I, you know, I'm a huge believer that there is a place in life for the ridiculous and the silliness. You know, Monty Python, um, Rowan Atkinson's silly faces. I was I was heavily influenced as a kid by the comedy of Jim Carrey. These stupid facial expressions and there's a place for everything in life. And you know, silliness is absolutely up there for what is one an important thing for me. Mm. I wanted to talk a little bit about craft um, of writing. Mm -hmm. And I suspect some poems come much more easily than others. Um, I wonder if you could take us through maybe a poem that you had to work harder at to get it right and what kinds of things you were thinking of as you were doing that. I think it sort of depends on what kind of poem it is, really. Um, 
rhyming poems obviously there is a craft to the to, to the the meter and the rhythm I, i'm not a mathematical poet at all but math doesn't interest me so technical rigor any beats that doesn't interest me at all if it, if it sounds right to my ear then, then i'm happy with it it depends really um a poem like a special budget sometimes you get the punchline straight away and then it's literally you just it's finding your way to the joke but I, I think if you think about a poem like missing lessons for example which is a set of observations that can sometimes take a little bit longer just to, to craft to make sure the sights and the sounds that you want the reader to experience are there um, and often for me the end of the poem is is important you know just to make sure that you're, you're happy with what you wanted to say. I'm quite interested in how you put a collection like this together because it's not a case of throw the poems up in the air and see the way they land. I notice as we got towards the end of the collection, there are two very serious poems. One is about child soldiers, one is about mm. refugees, and it felt right to me. Although I know that you don't you you don't read a collection of poetry necessarily from cover to cover, and it struck me that it was really important the placing of these poems you know if you put them close to the beginning you're kind of coloring your feel for the whole book so I just wondered a little bit about the conversations that go on around how do we put a collection together? To be honest I think uh, the, the ordering of the collection came down entirely to me I think I don't think um, when Hannah at Bloomsbury edited it I don't think we swapped the order of any poems we might have moved a couple out um, for me, yeah, the order I think is important. I think it has to have emotion to it. Uh, that as I'm reading through the collection, I suppose like an album does, and you know, you're listening to a band's album. If I want this collection to say something, how do I want the reader to experience those poems? So, yeah, basically, it's print, it's print everything out that you've got, and begin to find an order that you're happy with. I know specifically for me, I remember certainly I put the sometimes song at the start because uh, my mum died when I was sort of 20 and wanted me, I immediately wanted the reader to understand that this was a collection, that there would be some depth to it. And certainly the last poem in the collection, I wanted that to be a poem of hope. And I hope it's, there is a rhythm throughout the collection that does allow you to find those bright bursts of colour in between the, the, the sorts of poems that we've already talked about. So, yeah, it, it is important. It just takes time, really, Nikki. It's just taking it out with you. Taking, I would go to the pub or a cafe in the daytime with, with the manuscript, print it out and read through it and keep on reading through it, shifting them around just to see how it settled and how it felt for me until we got to an order that I was happy with. Mm. It's interesting because it can colour your reading of a poem to have a different poem on the facing yeah. page, can't it? Yeah, you can do. And, and I was aware with this collection that I wanted it to have that depth. So, uh, but also I was aware that there were silly ones in there as well, which I enjoyed. So it was about finding a space where everything settled in a way that I was happy with. Mm. Um, I've asked you to read quite a few poems, but if you were to choose one to read to me, what would it be? And would you read it? <laughs> yeah, it, it would change all the time, really. Um I'll read you the poem that I enjoy reading in schools because when I do performances in schools, I largely pick some of the louder poems to start off with. And the poem that always quiet, not quietens people down, the poem that I suppose always makes people think is, is the poem Stressed, which you mentioned earlier on before. Um, so I'll read you that one. And this this is, again, it's one of the ones that I've seen. I saw, I saw things happening. There was a lad in my year six class who was a big kid 
and a legend had grown up around him that he'd never cried. And I was with him when he took his sap reading papers and really, he wasn't called Charlie, but this is really what happened to him. So this is stress. Charlie never cries. Not even when he came down the slide too fast in year five and broke his wrist. Miss couldn't believe it. He even smiled and waved to our class across the playground when Mr. Smith drove him off to hospital. Charlie never cries. Not even when his grand died. He was back in school the next day. Said he was fine, he'd survive. But you could see it in the shadows of his eyes. Charlie never cries. But when it was time for the reading paper, we'd revised, revised, revised for. Charlie sighed. Flicked through the pages for ages. Put his pen down. Miss appeared at his side saying, try your best, Charlie. It's just a test, Charlie. And he looked over at me. And I swear I could see right inside his mind. And it was dark and he was hiding, shoulders shaking. And he knew he couldn't do what they wanted him to do. However hard he tried. And I'll never forget the day of the test, the day Charlie cried. Wow. Very, very moving. And a good one, actually, for us to end on, because, as you know, our podcast is primarily for teachers, student teachers and librarians. And there's much in this collection for us as adults, uh, as well as for the children that we work with. Thanks so much for talking to me today, Matt, about bright bursts of colour. I feel uplifted already. (laughs) It's been a pleasure talking. Thanks, Nikki. Thanks for listening to In the Reading Corner with Just Imagine. If you have enjoyed this podcast, you can find many more on the podcast section of our website, justimagine.co.uk plus via iTunes or SoundCloud or your usual podcast provider. Don't forget to pass the pod and recommend this fantastic free resource to your friends and colleagues.